Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So in honor of Veterans Day, when Abraham Lincoln made his way to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, to hallow the ground of a battlefield for the Civil War, he crafted out a short statement, and these words are so profound that they're now carved into the side of the Lincoln Memorial, I believe, off to the right as you approach. Few people realize that before Lincoln delivered the Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought about on this continent. Before he delivered that address, there was another speaker before him, Edward Everett, and he spoke for two and a half hours. He was a pastor. Does that surprise anybody? <laughs> and nobody really remembers what Edward Everett said, but everyone remembers what Abraham Lincoln said. He got up after this two and a half hour speech and spoke 10 sentences, 272 words, about two minutes to deliver, and every word of that some students have been forced or they get to memorize as they go through school. I'm under the impression as a communicator, sometimes less is more. Would you agree? I mean, if you want to be here for two and a half hours today, we can do that too. But sometimes less is more, and I see that same thing afoot in the Apostles' Creed, that here's a statement that is about 100 words, takes about one minute to quote. And by the way, at the end of our time, we're going to quote it together as our final act of worship today. But there's that last line in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and then this line, and life everlasting. So we could spill a lot of words about heaven, or we could just take these words from Revelation 21. Not very many words, but each one is power-packed. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, now God's dwelling is among his people and he will dwell among them. They will be his people and he himself will be their God and he will dwell with them. And that voice from the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Write down these words, John, because this is faithful and true. I don't know how many words that is. I don't know how long it took to quote those first five verses, but there's a whole lot packed in that very brief description of heaven. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at a few things here, and the whole idea as we talk about heaven today is give a bit of hope to all of us. Revelation chapter 21, in verse 1, it starts with these words, then I saw. I want to pause here for just a minute because my understanding, my reading of the book of Revelation is a little bit unconventional for our day and time. Now, I think it's very biblical 
because I think historically this holds up. And I don't know how many of you have, have been to the state fair and you see those maps of here's all the events that happened in the end time and there's nothing wrong with all of that. But it takes the book of Revelation and says, here's all the scary events that will happen before the coming of Jesus. But the way I read the book of Revelation is more in line with the way I believe an early Hebrew Christian would read this book. And that there are seven visions in the book of Revelation. Seven visions, each stacked on top of another, say, here's seven different ways to look at the time in which we live right now. In other words, the end times is not something we anticipate. It's something that we are in right now. This is happening as we speak. So just as a case in point, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in Genesis, excuse me, Revelation 6. What book am I in today, Genesis or Revelation? <laughs> Two and a half hours we're going to be here. <laughs> Revelation 6, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, okay? So the first horseman, he comes out, and it's the horseman of violence. There will be violence on the face of the earth. And we say, oh, that's going to be really bad before Jesus comes. Have you looked at your news feed lately? Violence is all around us. And the second horseman is released, and it's the horsemen of war. Well, have you looked around? There's hot spots all over our planet, and it's just a matter of time before another terrorist attack finds us, war. The third horseman is economic oppression or economic hardship. Every time you go to the grocery store, see prices going up, and it's harder and harder just to make the ends meet. And then that final horseman of death brought about by famine and plague. Does anybody even remember COVID-19? Okay. These things are not to be anticipated. We are in them right now. And Revelation says this is the world as it has always been, as it is today, and as it will be until Jesus comes. But that's okay because we worship the one who was and is and is to come. Amen. That even though we have all these issues going on, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the last vision in Revelation is different. This is the way the world will always be until. Then I saw a new, that's the next word. Boy, at this rate through Revelation, we are going to be here two and a half hours. We're going to speed it up here in just a minute. But there's two Greek words for new. One is neo, hat tip to the matrix. New means the latest. But that's not the word used in Revelation. Every time the word new shows up in the book of Revelation, it's the other Greek word, kine, which means fresh, and not only that, forever fresh. For instance, the Beatles just came out with a new song. Thanks to John Lennon recording a, a demo in 1972 and the surviving Beatles in the 1990 laying down some tracks and now with the mysteries of AI, um, now we have a new Beatles song called Now and Then about a lost relationship. But you know what? While that song is new today, next year it will be old. The newness will wear off. But the word for new here is not just the latest thing. It is fresh and forever fresh. It will never grow old. And so we're exposed to, in Revelation 21, three new things. Okay, let's walk through those together. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth and the first heaven had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. We look forward to a new creation. 
We live in a broken creation right now, but there will be a time when all things will be restored as it was meant to be, as it was in the garden. I used an illustration a few weeks ago. Um, I normally don't recycle illustrations this soon. I kind of like to wait until you forget, and then it seems new to you, right? But there's this image here of, and there is no more sea. This is bad news for some of you, because that means there'll be no beaches in heaven. Isn't that terrible? That's not what this is about. It's a symbol. Sea, for the Hebrew people, landlubbers, was a terrifying place, filled with uncertainty. Evil lurks just below the surface. So I used this illustration a few weeks ago of sea otters. When they sleep, they hold hands. Why? Because the water will cause them to drift apart. They need to hold on to one another. And dolphins, when they sleep, they swim in a circle, and they have half their brain asleep, and with the outside eye, that half of their brain, they're watching out for predators as they circle in their sleep because the sea's a dangerous place. It's a place of drifting. It's a place of danger. Well, one day the sea will be no more, and that's an image of saying all the uncertainty, all the dangers, all the drifting will be done, and it will be a place of unprecedented safety. There's a new creation. Not only that, I saw the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. Then I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Um, So here's the idea of heaven and earth becoming one. And this is not a bad idea to say, you know, we'll go to heaven when we die. But notice what happens here. We don't so much go to heaven as heaven comes to us. Heaven is moving toward us. It's a gift that God wants to give. And the image that John describes this, how do I describe this? It's like a groom seeing his bride on their wedding day. So when I do a wedding right here, I'll stand here on the bottom step. Groom will stand right here. Those back doors open. Here comes the bride. Just before those doors open, if I have the presence of mind, I'll lean over, put my hand on his shoulder, and say, buddy... This is about to be the best moment of your life when he sees his bride for the first time. And then I whisper, and it's all downhill from here. (laughs) No, I would never say that. I would think it. There are going to be days you're going to look back, and this will be one of the best moments of your life as a bride beautifully prepared for her husband. So uh, I mentioned last week, Joni Erickson Tata, young lady, had a diving accident, was completely paralyzed. Well, a few years ago, she married. And as her husband, Ken, waited for her down front, she got ready to roll in from the back, completely paralyzed. She has just enough movement in her hand to control her her power stick on her wheelchair. She said, we put mesh all over the wheelchair and draped my dress. She says, I felt like a float in the Rose Bowl parade. Just as she got ready to come in, she noticed her chair, which had always been a clunky thing, had left a grease stain on her dress. And she said, I couldn't even move my hands to cover them with flowers. So the doors open, and she sees her husband, and here's what she says about that moment. I spotted him way down front, standing at attention and looking tall and elegant in his formal attire. My face grew hot, my heart began to pound, our eyes met, and amazingly, from that point on, everything changed. How I looked no longer mattered. I forgot all about my wheelchair, grease stains, flowers out of place, who cares? No longer did I feel ugly or unworthy. The love in Ken's eyes washed it all away. 
and I was a pure, perfect bride. That's what he saw, and that's what changed me. It took great restraint not to jam my power stick into high gear and race down the aisle toward my groom. We will see a new creation, and we will see a new city, and when we do, we will say, put the power stick in high gear, and come on. A new creation, a new city, and there's going to be a new closeness with God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is now among His people. He will dwell with them, they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And because of the presence of God, tears, death, mourning, crying, pain. That's the old order, and it's now gone. If you've ever felt that there's something not quite right with the world, you're onto something. If you've ever felt like this isn't quite where you fit, this is not quite home, follow that lead. So here's what I want to handle. Uh, I call this frequently asked questions. Three questions most people have about heaven. Number one, what's it going to be like? Number two, what will we do? And number three, who will be there? So let's, let's just take each one of those just in brief turn. What's heaven going to be like? Uh, if you want to, you can flip over just one page to Revelation 22, and we're given kind of a, a look into heaven just briefly, and there's a couple of characteristics that stand out. And, and again, this is very symbolic, pictorial. I mean, how do you describe the indescribable? So I'm just going to read through and pause at a few places in Revelation 22. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the land down the middle of the street. Heaven has a river. What do we do with water? We put water on the inside of us to refresh us. And we put water on the outside of us to cleanse us. There will come a day where you will no longer be ill and tired and sick and tired and sick and tired. That day will be in the past. Not only that, all the guilt, all the shame, all the regret, all the remorse, all the things you wish you've done, all, all that stuff that we still carry around as much as we try to forget it will all be washed away and you will be clean because there's a river. Not only is there a river, it says this, and then on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding a fruit every month. So uh, this is a tree, and again, it's symbolic here of the variety of heaven. Imagine going to a tree, and one month it's apples, the next it's pears, the next it's peaches, the next it's hamburgers, the next it's pizza. I mean, all the essential fruit that we need, right? Uh, you can put pineapple on a pizza. That's kind of a fruit, right? So imagine, and as we often think about heaven, what do we think? We think of this white place where everything's stark white. No, no, no. I'm thinking technicolor, right? It's that moment, uh, and I, I don't know why I stumbled on this this week. Remember that moment in Oz when, uh, when Dorothy steps out of her house? And up to that point, everything in the movie was black and white. And, and actually, as they did this part of the movie, they didn't have a way to to make the scene in the house black and white and what's happened outside in color. So they actually painted the entirety of this house in, in sapia and grayscale and even the actor, the stand-in for 
um, for Dorothy was painted black and white. And so when she steps out into color, that's what we're going to step into. And the variety will never be exhausted for all of eternity. There's a river, there's a tree, and it says, no longer will there be any curse for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. In heaven, there's a throne. Throne is mentioned 42 times in the book of Revelation, almost twice for each chapter. And this reminds us, in heaven, there will be no more elections. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Because there will only be one king forever and ever and ever. And it's not up for debate, and it's not up for a vote. That's who he is, and that's who we will serve. And then it says, and we won't need light there because God himself will be light. We will finally have clarity. All those questions, all those concerns, all the confusion. Behold, I make all things new. So my encouragement, boy, I'm jumping the gun to the application here. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, here's a second question. What will we do in heaven? And some people think that that's going to be a perpetual church service in heaven. Listen, I'm a pastor. I've been in a lot of church services. Nothing wrong with that. But I think we need to reframe what that looks like. Notice uh, this is still Revelation 22. In verse 3, it says, we will serve him. And in verse 4, it says, uh, verse 5, and we will reign with him. In other words, we're going to do God's bidding in heaven. And by reigning, it doesn't mean we're going to be large and in charge. He's large and in charge. We will exercise influence. What we will do there will matter in some way that we know not. Here's my best understanding of heaven right now. Have you ever had that perfect moment? Hope you have. Maybe it's that moment when your bride walks in or you see your groom standing down front or you hold your baby or your grandchild or you're sitting on the back porch and it's the perfect sunrise. It's just that moment that you hope would never go away. Yet it always does. Heaven will be, oh, here's a better one. When you're at dinner with somebody who you just don't want to stop talking to them, you want to spend time with them, that moment always slips away. Heaven will be the perfect moment that never ends. So, who will be there? I'm going to go back to chapter 21 now, verse 6. It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. God's going to be there. Now, here's who will be there and who won't be there. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all this. Then notice verse 8, but the cowards. And it goes on there to mention other sins that are kind of the usual suspects to say, Sexually immoral, magic arts, idolaters, they'll be confined to the fiery lake. This is the second death. So who will be there? Those who hold on. Those who press on. Next time you're in the Austin area, look for a historical marker in Texas, the gravesite of Bailey Plantation. Odd name. British man who immigrated to Texas back before Texas was its own country and before it was a state. He immigrated to the Austin area, and when he died, Bailey Plantation made a request. I want to be buried, standing up, gun at my side, facing west. He says, I want to still be on duty no matter where I am. Listen, 
For those of you about to give up, press on. Your job's not done yet. Don't put down your gun. Don't slack off. Don't be at ease. We are called to stand, look east, hope in Christ, and be willing to serve him up to our very last moment. Press on. And also, press in. Press into Jesus. There is hell mentioned here at the end. And every now and then I get the request. It's not very often anymore, but I get the request. We want you to preach on hell more. And um, I, I'm not a, against that necessarily, but the idea is that we want, we want you to literally give people hell to scare them into heaven. But what I see in the teachings of Jesus and what I see the tone of revelation is this, not God saying, whoa, watch out if you go to hell, but God is about wooing us. I want to be with you for all of eternity. And I believe hell is real. Hell is a real place. There are consequences for how we've lived our lives, but God never will force you to step into a relationship with him that you don't want. You've got to choose it. But there are consequences with how and what you choose. So um, let me end with an illustration using a roll of toilet paper. So I'm, I'm walking down the corridor of the church this week, and our preschoolers are going through the corridor in our, our day program, preschool. And uh, they see me walking with a roll of toilet paper, and they just light up. I've decided if I ever want to just walk into a classroom of kids, I'm just going to walk in with a roll of toilet paper. And so I, I, I just go down the corridor, and I, I go, kids, where did I put my toilet paper? I don't know where it is. And they just all livened up. I mean, you're livening up right now. I was talking about heaven a minute ago, and you're like dolphins half asleep, and now the pastor's got a roll of toilet hit. I'm going to see that on, on YouTube this week, and I'm not going to like that look. Right. So I've used this illustration before. There's the toilet paper theory of life. When you use a brand new roll of toilet paper, you put it on, and by the way, men, it's always over, not under, okay? It's always mullet, not beard. You always go over, okay? One of my deacons shared that with me after the first service. Mullet, not beard. I go, that's not spiritual at all, but I'll say it. <laughs> you started a roll of toilet paper. When you, when you start pulling on the roll of toilet paper, the, the spool in the middle turns really slow, right, because of the circumference. But as you get closer to the end and you pull on the toilet paper, that spool starts moving faster and faster all the time. It's a lot like life. You remember when you were young? You couldn't wait to turn 16 so you could drive, and it took forever. Or you couldn't wait to turn 18 and go to college. You couldn't wait to be married, and the days just seemed to drag on slowly. But the older you get and the less sheets that are there, the faster things start to turn. And pretty much you look up 10 years have gone by, and you go, where did it go? Sometimes life moves slow until it moves really fast. Listen, I think there's a lesson here. Enjoy every sheet. Enjoy every day. <laughs> I could make some application here about toilet paper has to put up with a lot of crud, but we're just going to stop right there, okay? What do we do with this limited time we have? We, we enjoy every moment, but also there's a part of life that we just have to endure. And I know there's a lot of junk to deal with, but press on and press in. And as Julie of Norwich said, 
And by the way, hers is kind of the Gettysburg address of heaven. She says this, and all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. So let's stand together. And I would like to invite you to take out your announcement sheet on the back as the Apostles' Creed. We've not recited it together because I wanted to wait until we got all the way to the end. Because I don't want you to say something that you don't know what it means, and so you just go along to get along. We've walked through this entire creed. And not only let's say it together, let's pray it together. Say this with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.